Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. What's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to your daily dose of the Must Read Alaska podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining with me. It's a pleasure to have you here, and we've got a great guest today. But before we get into that, you know my plea. We are trying to get to 150 reviews on the Apple Podcast app, and we are well on our way there. We've got over 120, and I just appreciate it if you just take a second and do that. That helps us with search engine optimization. It helps us with so many different things. And if you're an extra mile person, I'm sometimes that, but if you are, take another second and give us a written review. We've had plenty of those. They've been incredible, and we really do appreciate all our listeners, readers, and supporters. And of course, on Thursdays, I have my fearless leader with me, Suzanne Downing. Suzanne, how's it going today for you? I'm freezing. How are you? Everything's good here in, in the middle of Anchorage, but I was looking on the, on the weather um I guess my weather app on my phone this morning, and in Uktiavik, it was it was like 11 degrees, and it's minus four in Anchorage, so it's colder here than it is in Barrow, which, is, you know, that's just not right. I'm sorry. I remember the good old days of global warming when, you know, we really wouldn't get this kind of weather until January, but anyway, it's all good here. Sunny day, gorgeous day. You can see Mount uh, Denali from my office. And you've, got just, qu- you've got quite a view out in your office. Uh, yeah, it's very inspirational. It's, you know, Anchorage is not quite Alaska, but it's, I can see it from my office to, to sort of paraphrase Sarah Palin. Awesome. Well, Suzanne, I appreciate you and I always give you cr- props, but uh, Must Read Alaska goes on the power of you. And it's been, it's been really fun getting to do this podcast for over a year. And we've been talking about all the great stuff, but we also have a great guest today and I want to introduce him. This is Nick Begich and Nick, thanks for joining with us today. I appreciate it, man. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Nick, there's so many questions that we have for you in such a 30-minute window that I don't think we're going to get to all of them. So I'm going to already go ahead before we even start the interview and say there's going to be a part two at some point in our lives. Uh, But can you kind of give our our listeners and our readers and our supporters just kind of a little bit of a background of uh, your time here in Alaska? Obviously, that last name catches people's ears. And so they ask a lot of questions like, how's a Begich a Republican? That doesn't make sense. Or where did this guy come from? Or, hey, I know him, but I want to know him more. So why don't you give us a little bit of a background? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's, it's one that I, that I seem to get uh, a bit. And, you know, there's a, there's a story here. There's a story here. So as, you, as most people would imagine, I'm from Alaska. Uh, I was born here. I, was, I, I grew up here until I was uh, about seven or eight. And around that time, the, the oil economy in Alaska busted. And it threw a lot of uh, families and a lot of businesses into chaos. I think more than half the banks in Anchorage actually went out of business. And, uh, you know, my parents, you know, through all that turmoil split up. And I ended up with my grandparents um, on my mom's side. And my grandparents are actually dyed-in-the-wool Bible Belt Republicans from Missouri. And I grew up with them down in in Central Florida. And I was raised in the church, went to Christian school K through 12. And, uh, and graduated from Baylor. And, and from the very first time I registered to vote until today, I've always been a Republican and a conservative. And, um, 
And that's sort of some, some quick background on, on sort of how that happened. But uh, when I moved back to Alaska, uh, right around 17 years ago, coming up on 20 years, um, you know, it was a surprise to me because, you know, growing up outside, uh, you know, a lot of folks, they, they didn't know how to pronounce my, my last name. They, they'd add letters, actually, to the, to the last name. <laughs> right. I heard all kinds of things. But um, coming up here, of course, everyone automatically assumed that I was a liberal or a Democrat just from, from the background. So I'll tell you one thing. It's, it's hard to be a conservative Republican baggage in Alaska, but I ain't changing. That's who I am. So Some might call well, you a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, unicorns are, are creatures that don't exist. I do exist. Flesh and blood, you know, interestingly, not wasn't just my grandparents, my, my mom's a Republican. My father is actually registered libertarian AIP guy for many years, actually. And, gotcha. uh, and so there we're sort of the, if there's a black sheep, there's a maybe we're the black sheep branch. Gotcha. I'd love to be. I'd love to be a fly on the wall um, at your Thanksgiving dinners in in your household. But you weren't always in, in interested in politics. That that wasn't something you were really engaged in in your younger years. I, weren't you uh, just involved in growing a business or something? I, I was, and, and I have been. I mean, you're you're 100 right. It didn't grow up around politics, actually. And uh, and I was at Baylor. I was an undergraduate um, major in, in business, focused in entrepreneurship. And, um, and actually, I worked in, uh, in investor relations for a publicly traded company uh, out of uh, Baylor and uh, asked my father-in-law now, girlfriend's dad at the time, if we could get married. And he said, no, you have to get your master's degree first. And I said, oh, gosh, OK, well, so I went back into school and got my master's degree, got an MBA with a focus in uh, information technology and decision sciences, which is sort of risk analytics and forecasting and simulation and those sorts of technologies. And I went, I went to work at, at Ford Motor Company after grad school in the Dearborn area. And I was working uh, right uh, in the same campus, world headquarters, and I was a global technology manager there. Interestingly, um, I worked on some pretty big projects. I was the youngest person at my leadership level at Ford out of 1,100 people uh, as a supervisor. Um, within the technology group. And uh, my very first project there, it was uh, about $200 million in capital expenditure that I was responsible for as a program manager. And we saved the company $70 million a year in perpetuity through that effort. And um, things went well. I got, I, I had some really good rankings there. I, I actually did a cross-functional in the car group for a little while. And uh, they said, Nick, we're going to give you Mustang. And I said, oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know, so I instantly go over there and work upstream where I'm working in the design studio two, three days a week. And uh, they got the vehicles and claim mock-up and everything. And they said, well, actually we found someone for Mustang. I think we're going to have you do a different vehicle line. It's, it's just as exciting. We're going to put you on minivans. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did minivans uh, for Ford upstream um, doing series lineup paint and tape features, all those sorts of things for the uh, Ford Flex and the, the uh, precursor to the Ford Flex. So um, what, made you decide to, what made you decide yeah. to come home to Alaska, though? Well, you know, life's an adventure and uh, the corporate world is fun. It's it's high energy at a company like Ford at the time. We were the fourth largest company in the world. We had over 400,000 employees worldwide. And uh you kind of get lost in the in the ocean of people, no matter how many how much you're 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 doing and how many waves you're making. You know, Alaska 
Alaska's always been had a great appeal to me. And uh, I told my wife, I said, hey, we're young. We don't have kids. Why don't we go on an adventure? We, we moved to Alaska, as I mentioned earlier, about 17 years ago. And uh, with, you know, not knowing that we would stay here, but fell in love like so many people do um, with my home state. And uh, so now we've got a, a young kiddo at home. Our son, Nicholas, is is uh, nine years old. I, I told my wife I, when, before we got married, I said, I only have one condition, just one condition. Our first son, if we ever have one, will be Nicholas, and you can name all the other kids. And then we just had one kid. So. <laughs> well, you, you came a, back. And he's just as bright as his dad, as far as I can tell. A brighter. Yeah. <laughs> well, you did come back to Alaska. And so give us a little bit of like a, a quick timeline from you coming back to. Um, essentially getting into politics and actually working with Don Young on his campaign for re-election here recently. Uh, kind of yeah. give us a little bit of a background on that too. Yeah, you bet. So um, so I moved back to Alaska and uh, I, I worked for, for uh, a family business for about a, a, a year and a half um, on my mom's side of the family. And I decided I wanted to try strike out and do something on my own. I knew a lot about technology and obviously had, had studied it in school and worked in it. And I'd studied entrepreneurship, as I mentioned, undergrad. And I thought, well, shoot, you know, studying it's one thing, but you got to go out there and do it. And so I went down to Costco here in Anchorage. I bought a folding table and a laptop with a credit card. And I put uh, two maps on the wall at, in my home office. And one was of the United States and one was of the world. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start a software business and see what happens. And uh, it was, I will admit, it was very difficult. That first year we had one contract. And uh, like so many people who can identify who've struck out and tried, trying to start a business, it's, it's tough. And thankfully, my wife, who had become a pharmacist and was working at one of the hospitals here in, in Anchorage, she floated us. And I give her great credit because for the first four years, I went from uh, a good salary to no salary and all the money that I made went right back into the company to help us grow. But today we've got about 150 people across three countries that build applications and uh, mostly for startups, but for, for the, for the web and for mobile applications. Um, I'd say about 70% of the, of the companies we work with are early stage businesses. And we work not just to build their technology out, but as advisors to help them create a company that's sustainable and lasting and, uh, and help them figure out how to get financing. And so uh, through that effort, we've actually taken equity stakes in around 70 businesses in the last 12 years that are customers of ours, but also they become partners of ours. And a lot of those companies have gone to do some pretty amazing things. I think in total, we, we tried to total it up once and it was over a thousand high paying US jobs that were created from the companies that we have been working with. Well, yeah, and that's a that's a an exciting exciting trajectory. But now, you know, going from there to to politics, now you've you've filed for Congress, and uh, this is a whole nother thing. I mean, you you've got this amazing business that's expanding. It sounds like and successful and global in in its focus. Here here you are, in I guess you're in Chuyak, Eagle River area, and you're running a global business. And now you are, are filed for Congress. What were you thinking? <laughs> well, I got involved in politics. Really, I, I stopped being a bystander about five years ago. And, um, you know, I think so many of us who have observed what's been happening in the country, particularly over the last five, six years, you know, 
you could be a bystander before you really can't be today. You know, it's, it requires all of our engagement. It requires all of our involvement. And we've seen a great deal of polarization within our nation. And, uh, you know, I felt a responsibility uh, to get involved because, you know, if you're not doing it, who's going to do it? You can't count on someone else doing it for you. And I think it's incumbent on our generation to step forward into leadership roles and take the mantle of responsibility. And so I, I started to get involved. I became the, uh, the GOP finance co-chair, the state Republican Party co-chair um, under first Tuckerman Babcock and then later under Glenn Clary. Uh, also joined up with the Alaska Policy Forum. And the Alaska Policy Forum is a fantastic organization uh, for the listeners out there, if you haven't heard of us, um, check us out because we are a pro-freedom, pro-economic liberty, prosperity organization focused on policies and driving policies within the state of Alaska that advance those interests. And so I joined the board of the Alaska Policy Forum uh, a little over three years ago and became their board president, actually, uh, and was their board president for three years and just until just recently uh, when I stepped down. Um, in order to, to run for office. And so um, there's another organization I'm, I'm a part of called the Club for Growth. It's a national organization uh, that does similar things, you know, except at a national level at a federal level. Uh, you know, and, and was mentioned earlier, Scott mentioned uh, my involvement in Don Young's campaign. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, last cycle. So Congressman asked me to get involved. You know, he, he was looking for, for a co-chair uh, to help that campaign. And now, we'd seen uh, Elise Galvin's uh, campaign in the previous cycle in 2018, and she had decided to run again in 2020. And I think, like, essentially all conservatives and all Republicans in the state and anyone who leans that way as an independent, you know, that we, we just knew that we couldn't afford to have Elise Galvin as our representative, sole representative in the House. And so I was very excited to join the campaign and make sure that we uh, we retained uh, a Republican in Congress and um, traveled all over the state with the congressman, um, went everywhere from Fairbanks to Ketchikan, couldn't get out to the rural parts of Alaska last year because of the coronavirus response that was occurring. But uh, it was a great uh, exposure to to the campaign process. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for it. Yeah, well, I mean, you... I. Oh, go ahead, Suzanne. No, no, you go ahead. I, I saw I saw your lips moving first there. Yeah, I love technology, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, and, and again, that's where I kind of met you, Nick, and got to know you a little bit. And and one of the things that well, was great, there was, you know, Don had great things to say about you on the campaign. Uh, obviously, your presence was out there. And now you're running against him, uh, as we see. And and obviously, there's a lot to that. But uh sort of why why did you throw your name in the hat i mean we we kind of got your background and you know there's a couple other juicy things i want to ask you including yeah. policy wise here in a minute yeah but just while the sun did you decide this is the time to throw my my name in the hat well i think it is time and i mentioned a moment ago I, you know it's incumbent on our generation to step forward i think um you know there are some well well i have great respect for the congressman and always will you know he spent a tremendous amount of his his life and energy uh working on behalf of our state in dc you know, I think it's time. I think it's time. A lot changes in 50 years, and we need to start thinking about what happens in the next 20 and 30 years for our state. We've got a lot of fresh challenges that we're dealing with right now, um, and we have a lot of fresh challenges that we're dealing with as a nation. And uh, you know, I look at what's happening on the national debt, and I look at what's happening with big tech and the cancellation of, of people on these platforms. 
And, uh, and I look at what's happening in resource development within Alaska. And unfortunately, we just haven't fully unlocked the potential of the state or even come close. And I think it's time for some folks to, to uh, go to DC on our behalf who can articulate what I call the business case for Alaska. And I'm prepared to do that. And so, you know, I think it's, I think it's one of those things where, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the Congressman has respect for me. I have respect for him, but uh, we're both fighters and we want to fight for this state. And as what, what he's always said is it's not about Don Young. It's about the state of Alaska. And I couldn't agree more. Oh boy. That is, that's, that's the money line right there. So, uh, so, so let's talk about some of these policy things that Scott was referring to. There's been a couple of things that you alluded to the, the national debt. And of course we just had the passage of this massive infrastructure bill. And one of the little kvetches I have about bills like this is they're so massive. You have to pass them to find out what's in them. And that we, we've seen in, well, in your neck of the woods there in Eagle River, we've seen federal money being used to replace guardrails that had been replaced two years prior. Just perfectly good guardrails mm-hmm. are being replaced mm-hmm. simply because there's money there and we got to spend it or we lose it kind of a thing. And um, I know that we are getting a lot of money from that infrastructure bill. I don't know if we're getting our fair share or not. I, I, I hear we're not, but I, I'm not an expert. Tell, tell, tell us about the infrastructure bill and some of the problems you might see with it or some of the maybe... Maybe you could talk about some of the um, the benefits of it. Yeah, I think you know one of the challenges that I've got with the infrastructure bill, and there are many, um, is that it, it started out as a Democrat bill. Let's not mistake where this bill originated. It originated in the Senate as a Democrat uh, bill. Uh, it was part of a, a huge omnibus package, even larger than what it is right now. And Democrats chose to split that in two and pass this one under the guise of bipartisanship and then later pass their, their larger, more uh, controversial bill immediately following. And what the passage of the infrastructure bill did was it unlocked the ability for the Democrats to now pr- pursue their more uh, progressive and aggressive agenda to reshape the social fabric of our country. And we're gonna see that bill probably come to the floor for a vote on, at the House this week or early next. And, uh, and the only thing standing between that bill and the American people was that infrastructure vote. Um, I think it's pretty telling that only 13 Republicans voted for it in the House. Uh, that, that should tell you a lot about the quality of the bill. But like, we can walk through some of the details. For example, there's, uh, I believe, about $500 million for something that they're calling tree equity. <laughs> tree equity. and uh, Sounds fancy. Oh, it's... It sounds fancy. It's just a great way to say, hey, we're going to plant a bunch of trees inside the cities. And, uh, you know, there's, I, I believe there's at least over, you know, at least a billion dollars for DC electrified buses. And uh, there's $65 billion for mass transit on the East Coast, a form of transportation that less than 1% of the country uses. So what we're seeing is this is just a repackaged Green New Deal light uh, set of priorities. And in order to get, you know, a little bit of additional support so they could, they could call it bipartisan, they threw a bone here, a bone there. And, uh, you know, here's what's fascinating. We have, these are huge numbers. These are really big numbers to wrap your head around. And so to really understand what $1.2, $1.3 trillion is, you got to sort of break it down. And that's, it's about $10,000 in spending per U.S. household. Now, I've asked a lot of people in the last couple of weeks, would you write a check for $10,000 for what's in that bill yourself? 
I have yet to have someone come up to me and say, yes, I would freely give $10,000 from my savings account for what's in that bill. I haven't met that person yet, but they may be out there. But what we're seeing is Congress has completely divorced itself from the accountability that they should have to each individual taxpayer and citizen in this country. And they've got your checkbook in their hand and they don't mind spending it. And then turning around and telling you how great they did doing it. And I think that is the problem that we have in this country, $30 trillion in debt and rising. Uh, we're going to bankrupt this nation because there's no end to the wish list. You do a thousand things on the want list, there'll be a thousand things after it. And so we've got to return some fiscal discipline to this nation. And that's the primary job of the House of Representatives. Well, I understand. I understand, yeah. Nick, that uh, that Don Young was being given credit by uh, Ron Klain, who's the chief of staff for Joe Biden, uh, as one of the first people who the president reached out to to craft a, this bipartisan bill. And he was one of the 13 in the House that that pushed it through as well. I don't know if his vote was needed, but then and he was also there at the bill signing. So he's you know, he's very in, integrated into this bill. And I suppose that there are some good things for Alaska as well, but it looks to me like um, there's also probably just a, a lot of sort of Green New Deal stuff repackaged. That's true. That's true. That it, it just, you know, on balance, it's not good for the state and it's definitely not good for the country. And we've got to make decisions and, you know, as, as representatives from Alaska, we have to make decisions that are good for the country too. Right. We do live in the United States of America. We are American citizens and we need to think about what's good for the nation as a whole. So so um, we're going to run out of time. But before we get to all the topics I'm interested, in, but I'm also really interested in hearing what you have to say about the Jobs Act, because I know that that's a big concern to a, a lot of Alaskans. And we've heard from uh, people you know, for the Chamber of Commerce is weighing in, uh, the unions are weighing in, everybody's weighing in on the Jobs Act. And from what I can tell, it looks like it would be bad for the private sector. I'm actually kind of worried about it for just the, the gig economy, just the, mm -hmm. the, small, um, the small businesses like Must Read Alaska that are trying mm -hmm. to grow and whether or not we'll be able to grow if the, under the JOBS Act. What can you tell our listeners about that? Yeah. So you're, and yeah, you're referring to the PRO Act, correct? Oh, I'm sorry. The PRO Act. Yeah. yeah. Why do I call it the yeah. JOBS Act? Like, yeah. It's yeah. the PRO Act. Yeah. Thank it's you. The PRO Act. Yeah. And the PRO Act, uh, it's a big labor bill put forward by the Biden administration. And it is the ultimate wish list for big labor. And what it does is it takes a good body of the law from California, from the state of California, that they've used in that state to crush independent workers, the gig economy. And they are attempting to federalize this. They're attempting to steamroll state laws across the country and federalize this law. And it does some really negative things. I and mean, it, it's another one of these gigantic bills that no one reads. But um, here's a few of the bullets out of this bill that are problematic. Um, one, there's what's called an ABC test to determine whether someone's an employee or an independent contractor. And uh, one of the provisions of that test is that if, if your employer determines uh, you know, who you're working for, you're contracting with, determines what, uh, what the nature of your work is or what the time of your work is or how it should be performed, guess what? You're no longer an independent contractor. They've taken that right away from you. 
now you're someone's employee. And for that, and for that uh, company that it's hired you as an independent contractor, they now pay your employment taxes. They now pay your workers comp. Uh, there's another provision in that bill that, that says that if more than 50% of your revenue is coming from a single source, you just automatically became that, that person or that company's employee. And so if you can imagine a general contractor who's got subs, right? If you're a sub out in the Valley or in Anchorage and, and, you, and let's say you're laying tile for people and one of your GCs, your general contractor makes up 50, 60% of your revenue, you just became their employee. They've taken your ability to be independent away from you. And it's shocking really to see any Republicans vote for that bill in the House, there were only five Republicans that voted for that. Unfortunately, one of those Republicans was Don Young. Wow. So, so one of the questions is, is why? Like, why is this, why do we want to uh, sort of inherit nationally a state law that has not only seen some of the biggest employers of that state, Tesla being one of them, and even private business-wise uh, in our realm, uh, Daily Wire moved out of there. That's the Ben Shapiro, that whole right, outfit right. moved to Tennessee. Tesla's moving to Texas. I mean, you're seeing an exodus of businesses moving out of California to states that are much more private friendly. Why would we want to nationalize that? Why absolutely. would we want to make we, that a federal thing? We absolutely would not want to do that. I think, you know, this is this is payback for uh, for for donations, perhaps nationally across people who've supported uh, big labor in the past, but you know, it's, you're hundred percent correct. We would not want to pursue it. You know, I, I joke sometimes being a member of Congress doesn't require that you've taken an economics course, but maybe it should because we've got a lot of folks who don't seem to understand the drivers of business, the drivers of job creation. I love it when I hear uh, a politician say they've created jobs. Politicians don't create jobs. They take money out of one pocket and put it into another and then claim that they've created a job. That's not creating wealth. The way that we create wealth in this country is through the private sector, through individual entrepreneurship. And I, you know, the way I see it, there's been two secret ingredients to American success, hard work and innovation. And when the government steps in and starts to disincentivize either of those two key ingredients, we're killing America, in my opinion. Well, I think that's uh, it's absolutely correct. I mean, it's it's shocking to me uh, some of the things that are coming through the House floor and uh, are going to be voted on and pushed through. Uh, it, it's absolutely shocking. Suzanne, do you have anything you want to add before we we head off here? Well, elections certainly do have cons consequences, and and um, so you know, Don Young is running for what would be his fiftieth um, year in Congress, and um, he's not getting any younger he's he's Don young but he's he's getting um not a lot younger are you are you getting a lot of support out there for your campaign i mean are, what are you hearing it's amazing i honestly it's completely floored us we've gotten tremendous support from conservative leadership throughout the state uh you know senator shelly hughes who's the house majority leader has come out early to support us glenda ledford who's the mayor of wasilla is supporting us um we've got mayor welch in north pole um, Charlie Pierce, who is uh, just a celebrated conservative throughout Alaska, out in the, oh, the mayor of the mayor of Kenai Borough, yeah, mayor of Kenai Borough, yep. Oh, Jessica. you got L, you got L. D. Howard. He's a, L. D. He's Howard. Like a, I love L. D. Yes, 
<laughs> yeah, Jesse Sumner, Jubilee Underwood, who just won her, her school board seat, and congratulations to her. She just uh, she just swore in last night her new role okay. out in the Matsu, uh, and um, you know Jamie Allard, fantastic support, and uh, you know I could just go on down the line. Tom McCabe, um, or I'm sorry, Kevin McCabe, Representative McCabe, is supporting us, and and uh, he's just a great friend, uh, has been for a long time. You know these. I want to make clear, these are people that I've known for the most part for a long time and developed relationships with. They know me to be a conservative. They know me as a Republican. They've, they've seen my involvement and engagement with the party and for conservative causes in the state. And I'm just honored with the support that we've received and continue to receive. And uh, I have just great respect for these folks and the work that they do at the local level and the state level. These are hard workers. And I'm just supposed uh, to show you that conservatives are not prejudiced against a guy whose last name is Begich. Conservatives no. are, are pretty open-minded, it looks like. We're judged on the content of our character, and I, and, uh, I, I, and I just I so admire uh, these folks and what they do. And, and let me tell you, the federal, the federal work is critically important, but so much of the real work gets done at, at the school boards, the assemblies, right, in Juneau. These are people, these are warriors for us. And I'll tell you what, I have great admiration for them because they stand up, they do the job every day. They're, they're gone from their families. They're working late at nights. When I go out at events and I see these folks out there all the time, I'm just continue to be reminded how, how deep their commitment is to the state of Alaska and the people that they represent. And uh, I think that's an inspiration, not just for me, but should be for all of us. Scott, do you have time for me to ask one more question? Absolutely. Anything what are you for doing you? <laughs> what are you doing this weekend, Nick? Oh my gosh. Well, we've got so many different things going on. It's hard to keep track. I, I've got a, a fantastic campaign manager who's just booking me like crazy. Um, tonight, we're going to be out at the uh, Valley Republican Women's Club. Um, we're going to be going to a fundraiser tonight for a bit uh, for Tom McKay. So we'll be in, in Anchorage and then zipping right out to the Valley. Uh, we're going to be... Um, at the Matsu Republican Women's Club, uh, they've got an event at 10 o'clock uh, in the morning out at Matsu Family Restaurant, and we'll just be in attendance to, uh, to see one of our, our strong um, Republicans here in the state, uh, Kimberly Strassel, giving some remarks. And so, you know, there's just, there's so many things I could keep going through, but it's, we're, we're actively engaged. We're all over the state. We've been in Fairbanks. We're, we're going to be, um, down in uh, down in Kenai here soon, and uh, we'll of course be through Southeast all over the state. I was on Bethel Radio uh, earlier this week, and you know, at the end of the day, we're going to take our message to the people of Alaska face to face, eye to eye. Let them ask their questions, get involved, and uh, you know, I think that's really that's what it's all about. It's about hearing from the people, and and that's what we intend to do. Nick, is there, a, is there a website that somebody can go to to, you know, look you up or also just donate to you or anything like that? Absolutely. We've got a very active Facebook page. We're working on the site to get some policy positions out there right now. But if, if folks are interested in donating uh, and supporting this campaign, they're expensive to run. I can tell you that right now. Um, AlaskansforNickBaggage.com is our website. And uh, if you want to be part of a change, if you want to be part of the next 20, 30 years of Alaska and you're ready for new conservative Republican leadership to step forward, then please support me. Go out to that site. And, uh, and I appreciate all those who've been supporting me through this process. We're only three weeks in, but it's been amazing so far. 
Awesome. Well, Nick, thank you so much for joining with us on Must Read Alaska. I know the listeners uh, are going to be very excited to hear from you. Uh, you gave a lot of great you know, background, and I think people are just getting to know you, and I think that's an important thing. And it sounds like you got a lot of support already, which only creates more momentum in the future for the campaign. So thank you so much for joining with me. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And of course, Suzanne, I appreciate you. I can't <laughs> tell you how much I can't tell you. I tell people all the time I'm riding those coattails. They're long and they're fun to hang on to. But uh, do you have anything you want to say before we head on out? Yeah, for everybody, have a safe weekend. I know that's Thursday, but I may not be uh, um, talking to you until uh, next Monday. We'll do a, a podcast on Monday. Uh, I may have Senator Dan Sullivan on Facebook with me on Saturday. So everybody can look forward to that. We'll be doing probably be doing a live stream with him. Awesome. Awesome. Good to hear from our Republican leadership here. That's great. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining with us today. Again, I appreciate all of you. And if you want to continue to help us support what we're doing here, we're, I mean, Suzanne puts out tons of content. We're trying to put out a podcast at least four times a week, if not more. You can go ahead and go to mustreadalaska.com. And at the top right-hand corner, you can get the donation button. Every bit counts so that we can give you a well-rounded view, not just the mainstream media narrative, but a well-rounded view of all the news here in Alaska and beyond. And of course, if you haven't, like us on Facebook, subscribe and hit the notification bell on YouTube. And you can find us on, I'm gonna list them here, Parler, Twitter, MeWe, Rumble, The Works, all under the same handle, which is must read Alaska, one word. Well, guys, thank you so much. I wanna, again, thank our guest, Nick Begich, and of course, my fearless leader, Suzanne Downing, for joining with me today. Appreciate you guys so much. And until next time, take care. Alaska.